It's an honor to be here. And uh, if I can get you just to stay standing just for a moment, uh, I want to just honor Pastor James this morning and honor Pastor Mary. And, uh, you know, the I, I, I've just met you and I feel emotional, but I really do. I just want to honor, honor you for your legacy, for building the church, for your commitment to building what matters most to God. And we just want to say thank you. We're with you. We know Mary's hearing right now the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, it is our loss. It is heaven's gain. And when there is a moment like this, there is loss. It is a loss for us. And we, we grieve that. And that's a healthy thing. But the beautiful thing that we have is we have the promise of eternal life. And so we live in this paradox of, of loss, but also great hope and joy that she is with Jesus face to face right now. So I want us just to reach out to God one more time, if that's okay. And Lord, we thank you for this church. God, we thank you for the legacy. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that means we can gather here today and be together. Father, for every prayer, every moment, every challenge, every bit of perseverance so that many could come to Christ, so that many can be planted in the local church, so the hope of the world can shine right here in Tauranga. Father, we thank you. Pastors James and Mary. Father, we thank you for Pastor Alan and Eleanor and the whole family. And Father, we pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the celebration of Mary's life and that each each moment this week you be with the family, you fill their heart with great gratitude and great thankfulness. Father, we pray that the legacy of this church continues to go from strength to strength. That we're not here to maintain. It would be a dishonor to our history to maintain what God has done once upon a time. We are here to advance. We're here to go further. We're here to multiply. We're here to strengthen. The church is not dead. The church is alive. The church might come under a bit of heat, but the church thrives under persecution. The church is designed by God to be here right now with the greatest message ever known to mankind. And we're not going to sit on it. We're not going to be comfortable with it. We're going to grow in it. We're going to advance it. We're going to reach more for Jesus Christ. And the church said a good mighty amen this morning. Come on, say amen. Say amen. Come on, give God praise today. Come on, every person. Come on, give Jesus all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. We worship you, God. We praise you. Come on, just a little more. I just want you to really honor Jesus today. Oh, Jesus, we bless you. We praise you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, I'd love you to hug two people, if that's okay. An appropriate hug of some description. If you're single, what an opportunity. If you're not, grab a seat. And uh, band, thank you. Thank you, madam. What's your name? Rachel. Thank you so much, Rachel. Well, it is such a, 
a pleasure and delight to be here. Thank you for having us. I am blessed to be here with my son, Oakland, and Jessen, my wife. And uh, can you give it up for Oakland? He is two years old, and Jessen. And um, flying on a plane with a two-year-old is a great joy. We, uh, we, had a, we had a great time. Well, what I should say is Oakland had a great time. Uh, he had a party uh, all by himself with his parents as his bouncers, and uh, he was going nuts. And then as the plan la- plane landed, he decided to go to sleep. Uh, so that was great timing. And, uh, but we, we are so excited to be here in New Zealand. Um, we have had a blast this last 18 months. Uh, we did, um, on the day Pastor Phil asked us to uh, take on the church from Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris, uh, that was a big day, as you can imagine. Uh, Jessen had a dream about a year prior that on the same day, she would be given kind of a, a new uh, spiritual motherhood and physical, natural motherhood. And she told that to me and I said, oh, cool dream. You know, let's see what that means. We'll see how that goes. And then uh, on the day Pastor Phil called us into his office uh, and in Pastor Phil form, he said, yeah, yeah, Alex, yeah, yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I want you to take on the church and I want you to tell me by tomorrow. We're like, sorry, what? So we took a week and, <laughs> and then we, we, we went home and on the way home, Jessen said, I, I think I might be pregnant. And that night we found out that we were pregnant. So a year f- to the date that Jessen had a dream of that moment, it happened all on the same day. So everyone, please pray for us. Pray for us. And uh, we, we are learning lots, growing lots. We're so thankful for Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris and to be part of an incredible movement right across the world. And it's an honor to be building the church together. And I, I want to uh, talk about the church today. I actually, I had another message, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me last night, and I leaned over to Jess and said, I think I, think I need to preach this message. In, in honor of Pastor Mary, in honor of today, I, I really felt like the Lord saying, we need to talk about the church. And I, I believe in the church. Do you believe in the church? And I want to encourage you, God believes in his church. God still believes in his church. And the church is definitely not perfect. And that's because you're here. And I'm here. And honestly, church would be perfect if there were no people. But then it wouldn't be church, would it? And so, yes, the, the church is not perfect, but God loves the church. God believes in the church. And the only thing God said he would build, the only thing Jesus said he would build is his church. He didn't say he'd build another club, group, community. He said, I will build my church. So I want to read you uh, from Acts 2, 42 to 47 in the ESV. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. Thank God that we're together today. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, not week by week, day by day, 
attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look what it says next. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And who did it? The Lord added. Who, who brought the people? The Lord added. They didn't make it up themselves. They didn't conjure it up. The Lord added day by day. And here's what I want to encourage you. The best way to read the book of Acts is actually to read Luke first. Because Acts is written by Luke. And so when you read Acts, if you read Luke first, you're going to find a, a narrative flowing all the way through. That is the story of Jesus Christ into the establishment of the New Testament church. And so read Luke and Acts together. I promise you, it'll help you so much. And we see the moving of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. We, we see the establishment of the church. But here's what I want to clarify. I think in Western culture and Western civilization, there is some understandings or what I would call misunderstandings of what the church is. That the church is a place you go. It's a building where Christians attend, where people who need a crutch need some help gather. That it's like any other club or group or organization. That it is a nice place full of nice people. I remember I went to the physio, Pastor Allen, and, and it was awesome. I went to the physio, and this physiotherapist was working on my knee. I did an ACL injury, and it was a while back. And, and she asked me what I do for work. And I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And she went, oh, that is so nice. I vomited in my mouth. Oh, God. That's so nice. Church is so nice. Christians are so nice. And look, 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 listen. I'm sure Jesus is nice. I'm not sure he's not. I, I'm sure he's not, not nice. I'm sure he's nice. I'm sure he's not rude. I'm sure he's very kind. But if he's just nice, if all he is is nice, what are we doing? I don't remember Jesus reading in the scriptures, just Jesus walking around high-fiving everybody. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Oh, selfie, get in the photo. He walked around and, and blind eyes were open. Dead bodies were raised. He preached the gospel with authority, unlike the other teachers. I don't see just some nice Jesus. I see Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Some people think church is just full of just, just a nice place. But it's a place of power. A westernized understanding of church is that church is something you consume. Like a podcast. Like another good book. Like just another good piece of content that I can get a hold of. People think that church is something you consume. That church is a show. A performance. And that its members are its customers. I want to encourage you, that is not the church. That is a wrong definition of what the church is. Church is not something we consume. Church is something we are. Church is not something we consume. Church is something we build. Church is not a place. Church is you. Turn to someone and say, you're the church. Tell them. Come on, tell them. You're the church. 
Church is not about preference. Church is not about preference. Church is about mission. And I love it. I, I, love, I love getting feedback. I love in church life, I get feedback all the time. I get an email once a week, probably, Jessen and I. And, you know, it'll be because the lights are too bright or they're too not bright enough. And, and, and this is, these seats, I mean, I've had situations where people being upset about someone who's new to church, never been in the building before, taking their seat because they've been sitting in that seat for a long time. Please, please, church is not about your preference. Church is about a mission. It's bigger than your preference. It's bigger than your taste. We are not connoisseurs of the Bible. We are people of God called to build the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. How are you doing? You doing all right? Church is where I have grown up. Church is where I've discovered I have amazing parents, but I've also grown up under spiritual parents. One of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life is that about two years ago, Pastor Phil invited me to pray with him in the mornings. And so every morning, I, I have done this for the last two and a half years, whenever he's in town, and I still do this, but I, I go down and we would meet each other in the morning. And it's a very ungodly hour in the morning. <laughs> But we would seek God nonetheless. And so I've been doing that for two and a half years, praying with him every day. And I got to tell you, it has changed my life. Hearing him pray. Do you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, hey, sit down. Here's seven points and a nice poem about how to pray. He didn't do that. He said, hey, come with me. I'm praying. I want you to come. Can I tell you that church is not meant to be uh, 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 segmented down into generations. It's actually meant to be multi-generational. And so if you were young, where's all the young people? I love you guys. Okay, they're, they're there somewhere. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. The wisdom and the integration of any, every generation is very important. If you're young, you need parents. You need wisdom. So be humble and listen. Amen. If, you, if you're older, we need you. And I just put myself in their category. Amen. It, we need the wisdom. We need you to come. And here's what we got to do. Out in that foyer, we shouldn't just leave. We should connect intergenerationally. And we shouldn't just talk to our people that we know or that are our age. We should actually connect across because that's the church. That's where you grow up. There'll be people who come into this place and into this community who are from broken homes and have broken lives and they need the village of the church to invest in them and speak life in them. This is the church, everybody. And God loves his church. A couple of things I want you to know today. Number one is that the church belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. And I say this often, Jess and I, we say this often, and, and I know, you know, people joke about how I look like Jesus, and I get up and I clarify, hey, everybody, I am not your high priest. Your pastor is not your high priest. Jesus is. You have direct access to the mediator. His name is Jesus. And you don't need to pray to him through your pastor. You pray to him directly by the Holy Spirit. You have God with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The Holy Spirit is wonderful. The Holy Spirit is your helper. And he is here to help. 
And he is here to help you directly, not through someone else. So I want to encourage you, Jesus is your high priest and he owns the church. It's his. Look what 1 Peter the Apostle, he says in chapter 2, verse 4 to 12, he says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whosoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Money will put you to shame. Every other pursuit, popularity, it will put you to shame. But Jesus Christ will never leave you in shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I don't have time to talk about the cornerstone, but the cornerstone is so significant. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race. This is the people of God. A chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. Do you know the biggest nation in the world is Christianity? The biggest nation, the biggest people that walks the earth, two billion, are Christians, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church belongs to Jesus, which means we are under his authority. And that means that, that he is Lord. You know that Psalm 23? You know that one? Come on, talk to me today. You know that one? Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Shepherd. Before he is shepherd, first he is Lord. And so if you want the guidance of God, you need the Lordship of Christ first. A lot of people want God to guide them, but they don't want him to be leading. A lot of people want, oh, Lord, help me, shepherd me. Lead me by green pastures. Take me by still waters. Provide for me. Be with me. But don't be Lord. If he's not Lord, he's not shepherd. He's not shepherd. He will be your shepherd if you will allow him to be Lord. He is, listen, listen, he is king whether you make him king or not. Just so you know. He's not going, oh no, oh, I'm not king anymore. He's king either way. He's the Lord either way. It's just, is he yours? And it's not a question of if, it's just a question of who. Who's going to be Lord of your life? Something will, someone will. Something will be Lord. Something will, you will be enslaved to something. You get to choose who. And Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords. He's the greatest Lord you could ever make Lord of your life. James 4 verse 7, you know this scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that a great scripture? Don't you feel powerful when you do that? Resist the devil. Go away, devil. 
Get out of here. But hang on. James 4 verse 7, before it says resist the devil, it says submit to God, then resist the devil, then he will flee from you. I just want to encourage you today, the devil's not scared of you. He's not scared of you. I mean, you, you're awesome, but you do suck a bit, okay? And, and, and I suck, and the wallabies suck too. And so, <laughs> he's not really scared of you in you, but he is under. He's not just scared. He is under the foot of Jesus Christ. And so he is dead scared of Christ in you. And so if you are under the authority of Jesus, if you are submitted to God, then you can pray and you can say, go away, you devil. I, re I resist you in Jesus' name. Christ is the head of the church and it is our calling to submit under him. When he is Lord, it means he's first. First, not second, first. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek when? First. Seek first. I need some help. I need two people. I need two, uh, uh, James. And what was your name, sorry? Abigail. Come up. Sorry, did I call you James? Sam, get up here. Get up here, James. I mean, Sam. That blue jumper. It's a nice blue jumper, isn't it? It's almost like he's expecting a prophecy today, isn't it? Okay. Abigail, you'll be God. Come over here. Sam, sorry, you'll, you'll be things. Seek first his kingdom and all these things. So, so the question is about what are you pursuing? What are you seeking? Now, if I am seeking things, this is what it looks like. You stand there, I want you to follow me, okay? Sam, I want you to walk that way. Go away, okay? I'm seeking things. I'm seeking things. God's trying to get my attention, but I'm seeking things. If I switch it around and I seek God, Abigail, walk the other way. I'm going to follow you. If I seek God, Sam, keep up. Things start to chase me. Things start to pursue me because I'm pursuing God first. We need to get the order right. Can you give it up for our amazing youth pastors? <laughs> Seek God first, not things first. Some of us are trying to get things and saying, come on, God. Hey, get God and things will just show up. Jess and I were believing to get a property for three years in Sydney on the northern beaches. God, help us. We've been praying and believing and just trying to put God first. Haven't done anything special. We're not geniuses. But we, in, in when was it, December, the end of last year, we got a house. Complete miracle. I'm just saying, when you seek God first, he does start to look after the things. But if you are sweating about the things, you're going to find yourself missing what matters most. 
God matters most. And we as the church, we belong to him, which means he is our number one priority. He is number one. Being, being under Christ's authority means that he is the truth. John 14 verse 6 says, I, he said, I am the way. Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice everybody, he didn't say a way, a life, or a truth. Jesus is not talking about relative truth, your truth, how you feel about truth. He's talking about objective truth. And Jesus is the object of truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. And we live in a society that is always questioning truth. But we must remember that Jesus is the truth. And all roads do not lead to God. How you doing? All roads do not lead to God. Buddha won't get you there. Eastern religion and meditation won't get you there. None of these things will get you there. Only Jesus is the door to God. Just like if I said, hey, you, you want to come around for lunch to my house today? Let's say we were in Sydney and I said, hey, all of you, which would be ridiculous. But if I did and, and we decide to cook for all of you, which would also be ridiculous. But if we did, we said, hey, everybody, we want you to come to lunch after the service. And you all said, awesome, we'll be there. And so you come along and you say, hey, we're coming. But uh, what are the directions to your house? And imagine if I said to you, oh, all roads lead to our house. Sorry, what? Just take all roads. Pick a road, any road. It'll get you there. That's ridiculous. There is a distinct way to my house. And there is a distinct path to God. There is a clear door to God. It is not any other way other than Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He is the truth. And the thing about the truth is the truth sets you free. You need truth. And I think we live in a world that has made self-esteem an idol. We have, we have raised up self-esteem as an idol above the truth. So that we will make sure, make sure that everyone just feels okay about themselves. And as long as you feel okay, that's what matters most. But can I tell you, that will keep you imprisoned. That will keep you stuck. And so we end up laying down truth to hold up an idol called self-esteem because sometimes the truth hurts a little bit sometimes the truth convicts but the conviction is for your healing the conviction is for your freedom when a doctor gets involved in a place of pain in your life if you have some kind of injury the doctor must wade into what is hurting in order to bring healing and this is what the truth does. It does cut and it does divide. But it's not to hurt. It is to remove what is hurting you in Jesus' name. You need the truth because the truth will set you free. And every time that we are aligned with a lie, it is hurting us. Because the enemy only has access into our world through things that we are aligned to. If you are aligned to a lie you have made an open door to that lie to become truth. How you're doing? When you have aligned to a generational lie, 
a generational curse in your family, a generational thing, and you've aligned to a lie, it becomes a, a stronghold. But when you break free from that lie and you align to the truth, you discover freedom for your generations to come. I'm so thankful for my grandparents. My grandparents, uh, my dad's side, all saved, all Christian. My mum's side, a long line of alcoholics. Years and years and years. And my grandparents, they got free from alcoholism and they gave their lives to Christ and they lived, they, it was not easy. It was not easy. But they put a stake in the ground and they got out from under a lie about who they were and who they were going to be. And they aligned to the truth. And I am now living in the legacy of that truth and that freedom. Amen. You know, in the, the Garden of Eden, the serpent says, hey, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Didn't God already say that they were made in his image and likeness? The enemy was tricking them out of something they already were. He was trying to trick them out of something that they already were. The enemy will bring to us ways of getting love, ways of getting acceptance, ways of getting belonging, ways of getting identity. But identity in God is received, not achieved. You don't achieve your identity, you receive it through Christ Jesus. You once were a slave to sin, but now you're a child of God. You are a child of God. I want to speak to all the young people. You are a child of God. You don't get your identity by what you do or what people say about you or by any other label. You get it through God and you are a child of God. You are loved, that means. That means you are already accepted. You don't need to do things for love. You live from it because you've already received it in Christ Jesus. Amen, church. So we need to align with the truth. And we're going to have some time here. If you, if you have some things in just a moment, actually, I'd love the band to come and join me now if that's okay. We're going to have some moment, a moment here where I want you, if you need to align afresh with Christ, if you've got some lies in your life, you need to align with the truth. We're going to have time here to pray. Spend some time on the altar with God. If you, if you have lost a sense of purpose and understanding about the church, if you have felt disillusioned with the church, I want to encourage you. It belongs to God. We never speak against what belongs to God. Oakland, my son, he has, a, he has this, uh, this toy. And uh, we got it from the zoo. And uh, the zoo in Sydney. And anyone been to the zoo? Is there a zoo around the place? Amen. So good. And so um, we went to the zoo. And his mare, which is his grandma, Jessen's mum, bought him a, a lizard. Not a real one. A toy one. And it came in an egg. And in this, what an egg. Yeah, came in an egg. And uh, boy, I love that. I love that movie. It came in an egg. And you put the egg in water. And then over time, the lizard inside the egg expands and it breaks out of the egg. It's some feat of science. It's just amazing. And Oakland is like just losing his mind. He's like, oh my gosh. He doesn't speak English yet. So he's just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and the, 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 the lizard breaks it. When, when it arrived, Oakland took the lizard 
and he named it Bobba. His little Bobba. Because we call babies, when Jess and I see a baby, we say, oh, nice, cute little Bobba. And so he decided he would call it his Bobba. And so he walks around. He has Bobba everywhere. Can I tell you, this thing is disgusting. It is gross. It is horrid. Horrid. It's all slimy and sweaty and I'm spitting everywhere because I'm passionate about it. And, and, and he just keeps it under his arm, takes it everywhere with him, won't go to sleep without it. If he can't find it, where's Baba? Baba! Baba is his special possession. It's the thing he thinks about all the time. He's always looking for. The church is God's special possession. It's the thing he is always thinking about. It's the thing that he keeps close under his arm. So we ought never speak against God's special possession. Or never, ever try and pull down what God is building up. We ought never to align with a lie. We ought never to speak against what God cares about most. God has no illusions of us. He knows that we are fallen humans, but He loves His church. It is His special possession.